You're listening to another life-transforming message from our senior pastor, Jurgen Matesius. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. Hey, C3 Salt Lake Campus. It is so awesome to be with you guys. Well, actually, it's great to be with you guys up here on this big screen. Uh, you're all looking incredibly amazing. Vince, Becca, you're looking incredible. Uh, Sadly, I'm not there physically. I want to come back physically. Get your pastors to invite me back. I love the snow. I love the food. I love the coffee. I just love Salt Lake. I want to come back. Please have them invite me back. I don't know what I've got to do to twist their arm to get me to invite me back. But anyway, it's great to be with you guys this morning. We started a brand new series called Religion Rehab. And Man, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that need to go into rehab just from an overdose of religion. Religion is just a whole bunch of rules too often set up saying that, hey, you can't get to God unless A, B, C, D, E, F, G are first observed. Let me tell you, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way that we have direct access to the Almighty God. You can actually bypass religion and go straight and have a personal relationship with God. I want you to come with me in your Bibles today to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to see and we're going to go into a message today that I believe is going to cause your head to spin. It's going to break and shatter religious mindsets Uh, We all know in Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. You know, the truth is, I found that Christianity has been unbelievably easy if I just keep delighting myself in the Lord. That's why I so love our worship and you guys have had Pastor Andrew Bennett there with you. And I got to tell you, I don't know if there's a better guy than Andrew and Irina. They're just two of the best people helping to bring the worship up. And I mean, you're, you guys already started good. Uh, you know, just your worship team. What a great team. And, uh, you know, beautiful Kelsey and uh, just the team there, amazing. But delighting yourself in the Lord, when you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. And God does two things. He puts the desires in there and then He fulfills those desires. The greatest satisfaction you can have in life is where you have desires that are fulfilled, desires that are fulfilled, desires that are fulfilled. You know, the devil wants you to burn. He wants you to flame with all kinds of desires that God doesn't want to fulfill because the the fulfillment of those desires is the demise or the destruction of your life, your marriage, your family, your sanity, your health. So, Don't burn with the world's fire. Don't burn with the devil's fire. Burn with the fire of God. When you burn with the fire of God, you'll find that God is able to give you the desires of your heart and they're the desires He wants to bring to pass. I love my life. I love serving Jesus. And honestly, I pinch myself because I feel like I'm living in a dream. I feel like I am constantly having these amazing desires to see souls saved and lives changed and my kids walk with God and serve God and do great things and 
desire for a great marriage and a great family and better things and blessed things and a new house and a, a nice car when my other one got stolen. And, and I just find that God just keeps turning up. God just keeps turning up. God just keeps turning up. I know, know, I know that God is no respecter of persons. If He's doing that for me, you better believe it. He's doing that for you. But anyway, come on, let's go to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to be reading from verse 21. Matthew 15, 21. And this is what it says. It says, And Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan. Now I want you to underscore that. A woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Son of David, have mercy. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Verse 23, But he answered her not a word. His disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But Jesus answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Watch this. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. That was the only time where Jesus added the caveat, your faith has made you whole. Let it be as you desire. He said to blind Bartimaeus, your faith has made you whole. The woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. But here, Jesus ramps up and he says, Oh, daughter, great is your faith. Go your way. It'll be as you desire. Today, I want to talk to you about the three obstacles that stand in between you and desire fulfilled. Three obstacles. Number one, the Bible says that this woman, the Syrophoenician woman, this woman of Canaan comes to Jesus and she's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. My daughter is severely demon possessed. And the Bible says, Jesus answers her, not a word. Number one is a silent heaven. Number one is a silent or what appears to be an ignorant heaven. Now, how many people know that, you know, prayer is important? Well, this woman's praying. She's crying out to God. And how many people know if you're going to cry out to God, there's a plethora of gods. Cry out to the right God. Jesus is God incarnate. Many claim to be God, Buddha, you know, Muhammad, whatever. But they all died. Jesus was the only one who got up out of the grave, dusted himself off three days later, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, rose again from the dead, sits at the right hand of God. How do we know that? Because 2,000 years later, he's still making intercession. 2,000 years later, there's not a day or a week that goes by where somebody isn't receiving Christ and having a born again experience. His power is still healing the sick, is still raising the dead, is still cleansing lepers, is still doing miracles all over the earth. Jesus is risen. Jesus is God. So she's not praying to a false God. She's praying to a true God. Now, her prayer is not even a selfish prayer. She's not saying, oh Lord, may I have a larger car and a larger house because I'm trying to compete with my neighbors and keep up with the Joneses. She's not praying for herself. 
She's not praying for new shoes or something. She's praying for her daughter. Now we know that family is in the heart of God. It was God that desired family. So, so she's praying for something that, that God is into. And then we know from 1 John 3, 8, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Well, the devil has possessed the daughter. The, I mean, the Bible says she's severely, not mildly, take an aspirin, call me in the morning. This is severely, it's like, you know, severely demon possessed. So we know that, that she's not praying for herself. She's praying for something that's dear to the heart of God. She's praying to the right God. She's praying for family and she's praying against the power of the devil. You would think all of those things would qualify Jesus to at least respond. He ignores her. What do you do when you're praying for something that you know from the Word of God, everything you've studied, everything you looked at, you know that it's congruent with the heart of God, with the will of God, and with the Word of God, and yet heaven ignores you. Yet heaven seems silent. What do you do? Many years ago, I had a well-meaning Christian. In fact, it was a gentleman who led me to Christ, and he was just a new Christian himself. And I remember him saying, man, I don't understand why Christians have to pray over and over and over and over for the same thing. God's not deaf. God's not dumb. It's not like He's forgotten. Why do we keep need to, we should only have to pray once. And I remember as a new Christian, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, we should just pray once. And then I was reading in the Bible where it says that God knows our prayers even before we pray them. So I'm like, I don't even need to pray. You got these guys praying for three, four, five hours. Man, what a waste of time. God already knows. Just go surfing and tell God, hey, you know what I need? Get onto it. But Jesus, when he gets to Luke chapter 18, teaches the parable of the persistent widow. It talks about a widow who comes down every day, rat, 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 on the, 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 the door of the courthouse. They open the door. She comes running down to the judge. Give me justice. The judge is like, oh, guards. And so they, they take her out. Every day she comes down, rat, rat, rat. Every day the court officials have to drag her out, drag her out, drag her out. Finally, this judge is getting all nervous. You know, he's got a little drink under the table, you know, and, you know, he's, oh, dear God. And then he hears nine o'clock, doors open. Da, 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 she comes running down. He's like, oh, finally. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, the judge who doesn't fear God, doesn't care about man, gives her justice, lest her continual coming wearing him. Jesus says, likewise, I say to you, you should pray and not lose heart. Jesus is not equating the judge to be like God. What Jesus is saying is that in between you and I on earth and a benevolent, loving God in heaven, there is resistance that you and I experience. And we have to clothe ourselves with persistence to break through the resistance. In Daniel chapter 10, powerful story, Daniel 10 the 70 years of captivity are over. Uh, Darius has written letters so that Nehemiah, Ezra are able to go out and begin to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And then Jerusalem is going to be re-inhabited again. But if you know your Bible, Sanballat the Horonite, Gershom the Arab, and a couple of other idiots shut down the plan. They, they, they shut it down. They, they create havoc and the plan gets shut down. Well, Daniel knows about the prophecy, but now it's delayed, it's shut down. He's like, whoa. So he goes into prayer and then he adds to his prayer fasting. 
the Bible says that the angel Gabriel comes to him and the Gabriel, Gabriel says these words. He says, Oh, Daniel, greatly beloved, I want you to know that on the very first day, on the very first day that you humbled yourself to pray, your prayer was heard in heaven and I was sent in response to your prayer. However, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. You need to understand that in between you and I on earth and God in heaven is what is called the heavenly realm. The Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. That's his dimension. That's where he operates. And you don't want to live, you, you don't want to live in such a way where you allow the prince of the power of the air to stop, to thwart, or to get you to lose heart on the breakthroughs and the blessings coming from God. And so on the very first day Daniel prayed, Gabriel was dispatched, but the, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, a demon spirit, a principality was governing over that region, was blocking. That spirit was blocking Gabriel from being able to get through. But Daniel didn't back up. Instead, he got down and added fasting. And Gabriel basically says to him, but because you didn't quit, because you didn't lose heart, because when you felt resistance, you clothed yourself with persistence, Michael, the great prince, the great protector of your people, he was also dispatched. And he came and he began to do battle with the prince over the region, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And now I've been able to get through. There was a delay, but delayal is not denial. And resistance just requires persistence. What do you do when you're praying for something and it seems like God is saying no? It seems like God is indifferent. It seems like God is far away. Can I say to you, too many miracles have been aborted. Too many breakthroughs were jettisoned because people lost heart. Jesus teaches specifically in Luke 18 that when you pray, we ought to clothe ourselves with persistence and not lose heart. So number one, the first obstacle is a silent heaven. Number two, watch this. His disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. So when she saw she couldn't get through to Jesus, she starts grabbing the disciples. The disciples is the church. And so the disciples come and say, oh, Jesus, now you're ignoring her. She's bothering us. It's amazing. People that don't get their breakthroughs from God will be bothering the pastor. That's why as a pastor, you need to understand, I want to sleep at night. I don't want to be wore out. So I'm trying to get people to understand Hey, God has got your breakthrough. God has got your breakthrough. You don't need to wear out man to get what you need from God. But anyway, they come to Jesus and they say, send her away. Watch what Jesus does. Verse 24, Jesus comes to her and he says, get ready for point number two. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Are you an Israelite? Oh, you're not. You're a Canaanite. I wasn't sent to you. You're a Gentile. I wasn't sent to you. You're a Syrophoenician woman. I was not sent to you. I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Second point, second barrier to your breakthrough is that feeling of rejection, is that feeling of excluded. 
See, God had made a covenant with Israel. There was no covenant with Canaan. There was an Abrahamic covenant that God had made. There was a Mosaic covenant that God had made. The children of Israel had access to God. They had access to healing, to breakthroughs, to deliverance, to miracles, but they did not have access. Uh, the Canaanites did not have access to these things. So Jesus is saying, sweetie, it's not my will. It's, not, it's outside of my will. Now, most of us, when we hear that something is not God's will, we back up. When we hear somebody say, well, you know what? God answers our prayers, but sometimes it's a no. They back up. Let me just help you because this is why we're in religion rehab. Because religion will tell you that God answers all prayers, but sometimes it's a no. Sometimes He says no. Religion will tell you that if it's not God's will, then that's it. You just got to put up with it. Well, you need to read your Bible. The Bible says that the Lord closed Hannah's womb. Closed Hannah's womb. We don't know why God closed Hannah's womb. It just says God closed Hannah's womb. So the theologians of the day, the religious folk of the day would say, to Hannah, well, you know, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. We don't know why He closed your womb, but maybe, maybe childbirth could kill you and that's not God's will. Don't want you to die in childbirth. Maybe the Lord wants you to look for adoption. Maybe there are so many kids needing adoption. Maybe that's God's will. Two verses later in 1 Samuel, it says, and her rival Penina provoked her because the Lord had closed her womb. But I like Hannah. Hannah, thank God, has been through religion rehab because she's like, you know what? If God closed my womb, He can open it up again. I've got children. If they open the fridge, I expect them to close it. If they open the car door, I expect them to close it. If they close something, they can open it. If they open it, they can close it. Hannah's like, you know what, God? You close my womb. I'm going to pray that you open what you just closed. I believe that you, come on. How many people right now believe that God can open something that He closed? Amen. 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 I believe that. So watch this. He said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now you need to understand, God is not a force. God is not a formula. God is, God is not, God is not uh, a religious enigma requiring constant searching, never to, never to find the result. God is not an equation. God is not a math problem. God is a person. God is a person. He is three persons in one, the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He created you to have a personal relationship with Him. He personally put His hands in the ground and fashioned man from the dust of the earth. He personally breathed into Adam the breath of life so Adam could become a living being. God is a person. He is a personal God. Her response is amazing. Jesus says, it's not my will. I want you to know today that maybe if you've gotten a no from God, maybe if you felt like, well, you know, I don't have any sway with God. I want you to know that you can actually woo the heart of God. Many times the Bible says, and Jesus was moved with compassion, and God being moved, God was moved, God was moved. Many times God left the script 
because they violated His commandments. They broke His laws. They turned to idolatry. Many times God left His script because He was moved. He was moved. Watch what she does. The very, very next verse in verse 25 says this. says, Then she came and... Come on, somebody. Then she came and worshipped. She came and worshipped. I want you to know that worship woos the heart of God. Worship draws the heart of God. Like I remember many years ago, my, my wife and I had one of those arguments. I mean, it was, it was bad. And uh, I left, you know, I drove to the office. I slammed the door, slammed the car door, screeched the wheels out of there you know, went up to, to work. She tried to call several times during the day. I just hung the phone up. I wasn't answering. I was mad with her. I remember coming home that afternoon thinking about, you know, what I was going to say and rebut and, and be mad. Now, here's the deal. Here's a true story. If I opened the front door, as mad as I was and as angry as I was, but if I opened that front door of my house and walk in and there was my Leanne, there was my beautiful bride, standing there wearing her beautiful red dress, her hair done, makeup on. I could still be angry and like, you know, kind of push to go past her. But if she grabbed my arm, spun me around, looked into my eyes and started singing, Cause I'm your lady and you are my man. Whenever you reach for me, if she sang that song, how many people know right there, right there, it'd be hard to stay angry? Now, come on, how many people know right there that didn't happen? How many people know that has never happened in 27 years? But you know what? It's my fantasy and I'm keeping it. It's my wish list and one day that is going to happen in the name of Jesus. It's a desire of mine. I'm believing God that is going to happen. But you know what? It would be hard to stay angry if she did that. You need to understand that worship is not what we do to get to the preaching. Worship is more than just singing really cool songs. Worship is more than just rehearsing the promises of God. Worship is the romance of the kingdom of heaven. It's the romance of a loving relationship with a creator, with an almighty God. We're not following rules and regulations in a religion. We're having a love affair relationship with a magnificent heavenly father who so loved you, he gave his only son to hang on a cross. And worship is the romance there are so many people, your Christianity is dry. Your religion is dull. It's boring. It's a to-do list. God did not send Jesus to give you a to-do list. He sent Jesus so you could have a love affair relationship with God. Watch this. Her response to his rejection is worship. I know people, they will worship when? God does the miracle, when God does the breakthrough, when the prayer is answered, when the desire is fulfilled. I love this woman because Jesus ignores her and then excludes her. And you know what she does? She comes and she worships. Do you know in the, the walls of Jericho, they had to praise before the walls came down. 
before they won the battle, Jehoshaphat had to get the people to praise before they defeated the Syrians. You will find that praise always precedes breakthrough. Worship always precedes a move of God. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. If you want God to show up, if you want God to break through, you better start sending up a bonfire of praise. You better sending up a bonfire of worship. The devil will say to you, man, hey, whoa, 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 why are you worshiping? Ain't nothing changed. Your daughter's still severely demon-possessed. Why are you praising God? Ain't nothing changed. Come on, you're still sick. You're still broke. You're still beat up. You're still served divorce papers. You're still getting four clothes on. Come Hey, quit. Why don't you just quit? When God performs it, so many Christians have God on a performance-based contract. If you perform, then I'll praise. If you perform, then I'll worship. Throw that thing away. Praise and worship precedes breakthrough every single time. Every single time. Watch this. See, Jesus says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not saying except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She's a Canaanite woman. But she comes and she worships. This is what she's saying. She's saying, Jesus, I I had no control over my my gender. I had no control over my, my skin color, my nationality, my race. I did not get to choose my parents. I didn't get to choose the town, the city, or the nation that I was born in. I did not get to choose my nationality. I may have been born an outsider, but I don't got to live like an outsider. I know John 4 says that the Father seeks those who worship, that the Father seeks those who will worship. I know that God is seeking worshipers. I may have been born on the outside, but I don't got to live like an outsider. I can live like an insider. I know that God will not reject. I know that God will not turn away. You have said that I'm on the outside, but I can worship like I'm on the inside. And she begins to worship. She begins to worship. When you worship, you woo the heart of God. Now watch Jesus. Watch this. It's powerful. We're rounding third. So Jesus answered, watch this. Jesus answers her and says, it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the little dogs. It is not good to take the children of Israel's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, I've heard people try and help Jesus. I've heard all kinds of theologians try and help Jesus. Well, you know, when Jesus, you know, called her a little dog, it was, you know, it was an affectionate vernacular. Can I just tell you, there is no language. There is no culture in the world where calling somebody a dog is not offensive. Just try it. Just, just walk out. Hey, right wheeler face, how you doing? Hey, bulldog chops, I like that. There's not a language in the world. Russian. you look like dog. It's not a compliment. Nowhere, German. Ach du lieber, du siehst aus wie ein Hund. It doesn't, it's, no, pero, it doesn't. There is not a language in the world where calling somebody a dog is not offensive. So right now, she has to press through a silent heaven, number one. She has to push through being excluded, number two. 
But number three, watch this, big one. She has to push through being offended. She has to push through Jesus offends her. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. I've been a Christian 33 years, 33 years. One of the saddest things in 33 years that I've seen is how many people got offended and left church. They got offended, left God. They got offended. And maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe the church dropped the ball, the church, the pastors, the leaders, they did something wrong and, and maybe your offense is legitimate. Maybe you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You can believe in your own heart, in your own home and I can read the Bible and I can listen to Joel Osteen on Sirius XM, whatever, whatever. Maybe that's true for you. But in 33 years of being a Christian, you know who I've seen picks up the check for your offense? You know, in 33 years of following Christ, who I've seen pays the bill for the offense? The children. See, she could have got offended. She could have said, that's it. She could have gone down. I mean, you can see it right now on CNN. CNN Live reporting here, down here in Galilee, uh, you've all heard of the Nazarene, the so-called Messiah. Well, so-called, you know, rumors say that he walked on water, he could raise the dead and heal the sick. But we've got a little lady here, and uh, she's got a little daughter at home, Agatha. Agatha is severely demon-possessed. Cut to the clip. They cut to a clip, you know, she's kind of like all like this, and, and then it comes back, and everyone watching is like, oh, oh, that poor little girl. And then they interview, you know, so what happened? Well, I came to Jesus. And uh, what did Jesus do? He completely ignored me. You know, you could see it on CNN, they'd have a field day. Jesus, so-called Messiah. I mean, you could see her at the hairdressing salon. She, you know, she goes in, they put that big bucket thing on their head, and she's, you know, sitting there with her friends, and... You know, friends like, hey, how's your little Agatha? Is she still suffering? Oh, she's still suffering. She's not. I thought you went to that Jesus fellow. I did go to Jesus. Well, he's healing the sick. Why didn't he heal your Agatha? You're not going to believe what happened. What happened? Well, you're not going to believe it, Deirdre. I went to Jesus, told him all about my daughter. He completely ignored me. What do you mean he ignored you? He ignored me like he never even heard me. Never even heard you. Oh, I, I, I don't think he's as compassionate as they say. I don't think he's as loving as they say. It got worse. What do you mean it got worse? It got worse, Deirdre. How did it get worse? Well, not only did he ignore me, but he's a racist. What do you mean he's a racist? You know what he said? He said, because I'm not Jewish, I'm not an Israelite, apparently I'm not good enough for his healings. Well, no wonder Susan's gone off and become a Buddhist. You can't blame her. Well, it got worse. We well, can't get worse. It got worse, Deirdre. How did it get worse? He started calling me names. Called, he ignored you, was racist. And what kind of names would he call you? He called me a little dog. He called you... I mean, you can see it. She could legitimately... Walk away offended. She could legitimately walk around and say, yeah, so what? Yeah, Jesus is not all. He ignored me. He excluded me. He, he called me names. He offended me. You know what? And she probably had legitimacy. But her daughter 
would have remained demon-possessed. Now watch this woman. I love this woman because she is modeling religion rehab. And there's some people here today, you need to go through religion rehab. Watch what she does. Verse 27. Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. To that, Jesus is blown away. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And a daughter was healed from that very moment. Watch this. He just called her a little dog. Her response is, yes, Lord. He says, he offends her. She still calls him Lord. But watch this, she doubles down. She says, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs get to eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table, from their master's table. You know what she's saying? She's saying, I've been to the doctors. I've been to the physicians. I've been to the psychologist, the psychiatrist. I've been to the therapist. I've tried this drug. I've tried Prozac, I've tried remedy after remedy, I've tried drug after drug, I've tried substance, I've tried the therapist, I've tried everything. Nothing can free my daughter, nothing can heal my daughter. You may call me a little dog, but this is what I know. If I continue to call you master, if I refuse to be offended, if I refuse to be offended and keep you as master, then even as a little dog, I get to eat the crumbs which fall from your table. And this is what I've discovered, that there's more power in one crumb from the table of heaven than all the institutions of the world put together. And there's enough power in one crumb from the table that is set before God to heal my daughter. Lord, you're not going to ignore me. You're not going to exclude me. And you're certainly not going to be able to offend me. I am unoffendable. I know if I keep you my master, I get to eat the crumbs. And the power of the crumbs in the kingdom of God are more powerful than all the institutions of the world put together. And the Bible says her daughter was healed from that very moment. She says, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. There is an incredible power. There's an incredible anointing that flows from the throne of God. Don't let offense keep you. In all the years that I've been a Christian, so many people have missed out on all that God had for them because they got offended. Life is too short. Your children will pay for your offense. Don't get offended. Jesus said offenses must come. But blessed are those who are not offended because of me. I've made a decision. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing any man can do. And you better believe we've had our fair share of being abused, misused, mistreated, all kinds of injustices. You know what? I remove what men do from who Jesus is. Jesus is building his church and just maybe he's using the imperfection of the church to perfect you and I. Just maybe he's using offenses to strengthen the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace muscle of our lives because if we didn't have an offense, we'd have nothing to forgive. I don't know where you're at today, but I know that God has got you in religion rehab 
to bring you to a breakthrough experience with God. Right now, I'm going to invite Pastor Vince to come on up and close this out. In just a moment, he's going to give you an opportunity to pray. He's going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ. In just a moment, he's going to give you an opportunity to respond to this message. Listen, don't leave here. Having just had a religious experience, go through religion rehab, respond to the message, come down to the altar, receive prayer, respond to the Word, and you'll find that a power will flow from the throne of God that'll bring your breakthrough. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. Father, let your hand flow towards them. I'm praying today that healings, miracles, salvation, deliverance, hearts turning to you, lives changed today, that breakthroughs would happen today, transformation would happen today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you, Vince. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to c3saltlakecity.com.